What do you guys think cost per point will be direct from Disney without incentives when this thing actually goes on sale? I'll go 205. I'm going to say they know they have a ton of demand. I think it could be as high as 215. Boy, I'm going even higher because I think it's going to be about 225. Yeah, I think I'm going to do the uh, the old uh, prices right trick here and go at 226 there, Steve. DCL Duo fans, before we get into tonight's episode, we just had a couple of quick announcements. One is about the episode itself. Uh, this evening's episode is a collaboration episode that we did with Chad Pennycuff over at the My DVC Points podcast and includes some special guests, including Steve Creasy from the DCL podcast and also Shannon Ford, a co-host of the DVC Newscast, which is also part of the My DVC podcast family. So our episode this evening is going to focus on a discussion about the new Disneyland DVC Tower and comparing it to the existing Grand Californian DVC experience. And so we let Chad MC as the leading expert on DVC. So you'll hear him really leading the show this evening, but uh, with a healthy dose of the DCL duo mixed in. So hope you enjoy this evening's episode. I also want to put at the top of the episode that we're doing a giveaway until May 15th. A Etsy shop, Gadgets to Gizmos, has generously donated a working magic band reader that they are building for our listeners. And so one lucky listener is going to win that magic band reader to enter all you have to do is head over to apple Podcasts and leave us a five star written review between now and may 15th and i'd also ask that you shoot us a note or comment on one of our posts on facebook about this that you have done that you can simply respond done uh, and we will add you into our drawing which we will announce the winner of on our may 17th episode so just want to alert you to that giveaway last update is that we have started a patreon for the show to help defray some of our costs our commitment to you is that we will never make money off the show so if we ever start making more and Patreon dollars than we do uh, to put out the show or that it takes to put out the show, we will be donating any excess to charity. But I can tell you right now, the costs are high to put out the show. And so we would love to start to defray some of those costs for ourselves. So if you're interested in supporting the show, please head over to Patreon, search for DCL Duo and be sure to subscribe. With that, we're done with the announcements and let's get into the show. Thanks, everybody. Welcome everybody to our Disneyland Tower and Grand Cal kind of review and comparison show. My name is Chad Pennycuff. I'm from the Mighty BC Points podcast, and I'm here collaborating with a couple of other podcasts. And I've also got Shannon. I guess we're all podcasters because Shannon, you're running up the DVC newscast now. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, welcome to Shannon Ford. Thank you. And also welcome to the show, Mr. Brian Flock. Thanks, Chad. And then welcome here, Steve Creasy. Thanks, Chad. Good to talk to you guys. Well, let's lead off with, with a little bit of backgrounds here. Steve, do you want, want to tell us a little bit about your DVC background in a short summary? Yeah, we bought into DVC about 2015 on a Disney cruise, believe it or not. And we own uh, at Alani. We've got two contracts at Alani, and then we added on at Copper Creek. But we've always had our eyes down on Grand Cal, and especially now with the DVC tower coming. We're going to eventually buy into there eventually, but still on the fence on that. But we stayed down at Grand Cal a lot of times or several times, and uh, we've loved it. Yeah, and you guys are a West Coast family. So is Disneyland your home park? Oh, definitely. Yeah, we've been to, we try to go to Disneyland at least once or twice a year. It's definitely our home park. Awesome. And Brian, what about you? Brief Disney history and, and home park. 
Yeah. So uh, we bought into DVC actually in 2019. We started with a resale contract at Grand Cal because we're also, we're up in the Seattle area. So we're a West Coast family and consider Disneyland to be our home park. After we bought resale, we actually then waited for the resale to close so we could get the member discount on Riviera points and bought in with what we thought would be a nice, modest starter package. And then <laughs> I think a, a week after we signed, call, called our guide and asked if we could get more points. And he just tore up the contracts and rewrote them all for more <laughs> points. So now I have an embarrassingly large amount of points trailing behind us this year because we haven't been able to go to the parks. So not a, not a bad problem to have. Yes. As long as you can bank them forward, I'm fine having like, you know, even a whole year's worth on top of the year I have. But uh, yeah, I don't think you're alone there. Brandon, what about you? Home park and a little brief history of DVC background. So our home park is Walt Disney World. I live in South Florida. And four years ago, my son's birthday is when we're recording this is actually tomorrow. So we went for my son's first birthday and my husband and I loved the park, but we went for his first birthday and we stayed in the cabin. So not a DVC resort, but we realized that having a kitchen is a game changer. And literally came home from that trip and we did a split Walt Disney World on our first Disney cruise, that trip, came home, looked at resale, put in an offer, and literally within 10 days of our trip coming home, we were under contract and going through Rofer and our resort is Saratoga Springs. Awesome. And I've been a DVC member since 2017. I have been looking at this since early 2000-ish and sat on the fence for 15 years or more and eventually came back into some some big life changes and said, you know what, I need to get a little bit more serious about committing to some vacation time for the family and bought into DVC. I think our first contract was technically kind of similar to your story there, Brian. Our first contract was Beach Club and I had to wait to close on Beach Club because I had several resale contracts in the pipeline as well. Love Beach Club. Bay Lake Tower is one of our homes. Grand Cal is one of our homes. And I'm trying to figure out what I'm keeping and what I'm selling now because COVID has kind of made me start to realize maybe I have a little bit more points than I, I, I need. I know that's kind of hard to fathom, but when you're used to running some out, you rent them out, you get the cash, you pay some dues, you do whatever. And now there's nobody really renting anymore. So not this year. So that's a little bit about my background here. And We'll start back in and go, why did you end up buying Grand Cal? Because I think, Brian, you and I are the only Grand Cal owners. Yeah. I mean, we bought Grand Cal for a couple of reasons. One, we're such West Coasters that we thought we would probably get more value out of the membership in Grand Cal. Now, we ended up buying more points at Riviera and, in fact, own twice the points at Riviera that we do at Grand Cal. So our, our logic broke down somewhere in that discussion. But I think our initial reaction was we would, we would probably be down in Anaheim more often than we would be in Orlando. And also, we knew even if we bought points in Orlando at, at uh, Disney World, that we want to be able to use them at Grand Cal. And just doing the research in advance and finding out that it's nearly impossible at times to book rooms at Grand Cal unless you own there. We sort of embraced the mantra of buy where you want to stay, uh, to buy some points just to guarantee that we would be able to stay at Grand Cal. And I, I'm, I'm really glad we did. Yeah, I think that was pretty close to our story as well. I actually, my home park is Walt Disney World by number of trips. My favorite park, nothing even comes close to it, is DCA. And when that's your favorite park, you want to go there more. So I realized the only way I would be able to go there more is if I had more points there, simply due to the fact that, like you said, Brian, the seven-month window is not very kind for people who really want to go to Grand Cal. And that's because it's such a small resort in such high demand. 
because at the time of recording, it's the only resort that's there that's pure DVC. Yeah, and our, and our experience too on the park side is exactly yours, Chad. We love we love Disney's California Adventure. We love the whole Disneyland Resort from the standpoint of it being so compact and walkable. And I know we'll talk about this in a minute, but Grand Cal is like right in the heart of it. So it's so convenient. So we just love that resort experience. Uh, we had the guest on our show recently that said, you know, the comparison she makes is Disneyland is the small town amongst the sort of Disney resorts and Disney World is the New York City. And so we just love that kind of walkable, compact atmosphere there. So. Yeah, that's interesting. I would put it like this. It doesn't matter which Disney park we go to. It's all about the schlep factor. Okay. And if you want to have a really quick flight to Orlando and a really easy, breezy, magical express ride to get into the bubble, the schlep factor to get into Walt Disney World is minimal. But once you get inside the bubble at Walt Disney World, you're schlepping everywhere from bus to park to park to park to park. It could be an hour to take a bus between two parks. Now, when you start talking about Disneyland, I've got a four and a half, five hour flight to get to L.A. Then I got to schlep across L.A. traffic. And then once I get inside the bubble, everything is within a 10 minute walk. So it's like, where do you want your schlep factor? Do you want it in getting to the bubble or do you want to schlep around the inside of the bubble? That's kind of how I compare the two parks. Yep. We got to get you flying into John Wayne Airport. (laughs) (laughs) Last time I did come into John Wayne, but you still pay a little premium to get in there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then if you rent a car, it's not as competitive as LAX. So there's pros and cons both ways. So let's come back in and start comparing out some of the, what we know about DVC Tower and what we know about Grand Cal for size of the rooms. Have you guys seen any research out there or estimates on what the proposed blueprints for DVC Tower would do? I did see some news. I did see some of that reporting. I mean, I know, or I believe they're going to introduce that kind of smaller room category into the tower at Disneyland with the Riviera Tower Studios. I think they're introducing some of those. So we can already guess that the room sizes will probably be a little bit different than what you see at Grand Cal. Yeah. So they're calling those pods there and they're similar to the two-person Riviera Tower Studios. They're just calling them pods. And I'm, wow, like, could we not keep a name consistent? Pods does not evoke a good image for a hotel room. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, pods is, yeah, no. Makes me think of those Japanese hotels. That's where, exactly, uh, exactly, exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can see pods being done at the Star Wars hotel. Okay, you're gonna you're in a little sleep pod, and maybe they shoot you through space and sleep, and you wake up in a new place. I don't know. Like, well, and I think they're actually doing something like that. I think the kids' bunks are like like the kind of Japanese style pods. You know, Chad, just looking at the chart for the Disneyland Hotel, what they have planned, we've, we have not stayed at a studio at Grand Cal, but we stayed in the one bedroom several times and it looks a lot smaller and just size-wise, it's going to be a lot smaller in the tower. So it's, I think they're probably condensing everything to fit more in and with the, po- with the pods as well. So that's my, that's what it kind of looks like. So things are going to be a little bit smaller, but obviously a lot more rooms and a lot more availability, hopefully for people. Yeah, it's looking like Disneyland Tower is going to have 342 rooms versus 40, what is it, 47 bookable rooms over at Grand Cal. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, even the studios are definitely a lot smaller than what they have over at the Grand Cal. But the Grand Cal was built quite a bit longer. And it seems like, you know, that's just the way that a lot of the Disney properties are kind of going now is, is condensing. They're getting smaller and smaller. Yeah, they're getting smaller, exactly. But, you know, trying to find out, you know, better ways to utilize the space that they do have. 
Well, and even at the Disneyland hotel that exists today, those rooms, I, th- I think some of them are very big. We have a friend who loves to stay there because he loves the room size there, even in comparison to some of the Grand Cal rooms. I don't know if that's just sparseness of amenities or something, but <laughs> but I think those rooms are still pretty big. So it's interesting to see them at the tower sort of trying to squeeze more in. Yeah, that's an interesting fact because I have a, a friend who's a member at 33 in Disneyland and he goes once a month. And every time when he goes, he always goes to Disneyland hotel because I guess they get sweet upgrades for free. And he's just like, sweet upgrades at the tower are a lot better than they are at Grand Cal. So that's why he always picks Disneyland hotel to go to. But I've, I haven't stayed in their hotel rooms over there. The only thing I've stayed in is the one bedroom over at the Grand Cal. And I can tell you that's 365 square feet. So that's pretty good size. And there were five of us in there and nobody was super crammed. We stayed in a studio when we went and it was, it was great. Very comfortable. Yeah, we tend to alternate between Grand Cal and Disneyland Hotel because we like them. We like them both. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I don't have complaints about the rooms at, at either, but I think the room sizes for the new tower are definitely going to be smaller than what you would encounter at the Disneyland Hotel today. Yeah, well, I was just looking at the room inventory here, and it looks like when they built Grand Cal, they went with 23 studios, 23 one bedrooms, so a total of 23 lockoffs, And then they built 23 dedicated two bedrooms and two grand villas. And all of their one bedrooms and two bedrooms are kind of designed for longer stays. So I think they missed the mark when they did that room configuration there because I don't know about you guys, but after, well, we stayed there for a week and by about day five, we were going, okay, we've done Disneyland. We're, we're ready to go. We did six nights, but we also had a super cross trip. <laughs> it's the only way I could get this, my husband to go. So we had a super cross trip in between. And, uh, it was a good amount, but yeah, we longer would have been too much. Yeah. Disneyland is definitely a weekend trip for us. Like a long weekend trip. We'll fly down on like a Friday, spend Saturday, Sunday at the parks, leave Monday midday. So yeah, I agree. We're not going down there and staying longer term. So I'm not too disappointed if there's like smaller rooms that will still accommodate a family because we're not in it most of the time. Yeah. So when you start doing the room inventory comparison here, you're looking at 342 rooms at the tower. 38 pods, and 253 studios. There's only 19 two-bedroom lock-off units. So that means there's only 19 one-bedroom units, and there's 20 dedicated two-bedroom units and still the two grand villas. So you can start to see how they had 17 studios to 253. Plus, if you factor in the 38, which are, I guess they're not calling them tower studios, so to speak, but either way, they're smaller rooms. So you add those together in your 291. Yeah, I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting to see whether this will resolve some of the capacity problems they have for members, because I think there's a lot of excitement out there for this new tower. Absolutely. And I think I think it, it's possible that it could sell out to the current membership before <laughs> it ever touches, you know, non-members, if that makes sense. This is the one resort where the restrictions, the resale restrictions will not matter. Yeah. Yeah. But I wonder if that actually solves the capacity problem or not. I think it's going to depend on the profile of who's buying in. Right. But it could be that this just, you know sort of continues the issue with unless you own there, you're not getting in. But that's, you know, it's a lot of rooms to absorb, but it also seems to be a lot of excitement for it. I know we're going to consider it. Laura and I really looked at this and and did a hard, heavy look because, you know, we're in the process of figuring out what do we keep? What do we sell? And when you started looking at, we could have sold these Grand Cals for 240 a point because they're smaller hundred point contracts and they had double points up until we started to book 
2021 summer vacation. So 200 point contracts, each with 200 points on them, they would have sold for an astronomical amount of money. And we looked at it. Should we just cash out now? I don't think the new prices will be that high when it goes on sale. And then you pick up another 12, 13 years, something along those lines. So we had to do a hard look at that. And we ended up coming down along the lines of let's just keep the Grand Cal for simple location. And I think you started to mention this earlier. Can't beat the location of Grand Cal. <laughs> yeah. It's the only, I mean, I mean, the location for Disneyland Resort is, is great. And if you compare it to any of the Walt Disney World resorts, it really doesn't compare. But when you compare it to Grand Cal, it's just, there's just no comparison. You're in the park. Yeah. You're, literally looking out the window. And if you happen to be on a high floor on the Pixar pier side, you feel like you could throw a softball from your balcony into and hit somebody on goofy sky school. Absolutely. We were in that room. <laughs> I was going to say, we had one of those rooms. It was, it was great. I mean, I, I always think about it in terms of like Bay Lake and now the Grand Floridian have that great walkway to Magic Kingdom. I mean, this is like that times 10. I mean, you, you literally just have to navigate through your hotel to get into California Adventure. And the walk is is minimal even to get to the front gate for Disneyland itself. So I, yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't beat that proximity to the parks. Disneyland Hotel as it sits today outside of the, the sort of new tower they're building is not terrible by any means. Disneyland Resort is super walkable and compact, but you've got, you know, dedicated entrance to DCA when you're at Grand Cal. And you've got sort of a dedicated security area uh, for checking into downtown Disney, which, you know, can get a little backed up, but it's by no means the main gate uh, over at Disneyland Hotel. So, um, yeah, the proximity of Grand Cal, just it, it can't be beat. You know, when you can go from being in the pool in your bathing suit to, oh, it's time to go hop on my fast pass over at Grizzly River Rapids and just leave the pool with your bathing suit on and within, what, 100 yards maximum? You're at the the water ride, you ride it, you get off, you come back, you go straight into the pool with your bathing suit on. It's the best way to do a water ride. Absolutely. Now we went in January, so it was closed. But <laughs> So one of the things that kind of disappointed me, I'm going to be completely honest. I mean, we were really excited about the the Disneyland Tower because we love the Disneyland Hotel. Like you, Brian, the rooms are, we kind of go back and forth between Grand Cal and Disneyland Hotel when we stay down there. The, the rooms are so much bigger there. But when we started looking at the amenities that they were coming with the Disneyland Hotel, I was really hoping that they would probably do a little bit more. Now, I do get the the whole idea of being able to easily to walk to downtown Disney to do a lot of dining there. But that was one of the things that we thought was kind of lacking because now you're adding a whole nother tower plus the three towers that are already there. Really, all they have is Trader Sam's for a quote unquote quick service type place. You've got Steakhouse 55 as well, but you're adding a whole bunch of people to kind of a small area and there's really not as much going on there as there is in the Grand Cal. And on top of that, if you start looking at the pools, like they put like a small little like members pool, I think that's going to be back there. A lot of, a lot of the times at Disneyland, it's not as warm as Florida. So, and, and with the shade possibilities, and I know I'm kind of speculating on that. Our kids love the pools at the Grand Cal and just that whole atmosphere out there. And it, the monorail slide is cool at Disneyland Hotel. But a lot of times when we stay at Disneyland, I mean, it's cold there. And so I don't know, they're, looking at it for us, I think if we go forward, it's probably going to be buying resale points at the Grand Cal for location along with the amenities. Because a lot of times we'll come back during the day and just hang out by the pool, maybe order some service, some food service by the pool as well. They've got that new bar there called uh, the Craftsman's Bar and Grill, which is a lot like Geyser Point. And so for our family, I think we were excited about the Disneyland Hotel, but 
I don't know. I think the jury's still out on it for us. Yeah. And the, the pool question, Steve, too, is like, okay, so I'm at the members only pool with my, with my son and he can see the monorail water slides. He's not going to want to hang out by the members pool. He's going to want to go over to the, the monorail water slide. So exactly. it feels, it feels extraneous. And I, I don't even, don't know if we know if they'll have some sort of water slide at the members only pool, or if it's going to be more like a quiet pool, like, like they have at some of the resorts, including Riviera. I also agree with you. The restaurant is a big miss. Like, I don't understand why they're not putting something like a Topolino's Terrace kind of thing on the top floor of the new tower. I think adding that many people, it would be nice to have a new restaurant offering. I mean, they've got Goofy's Kitchen right there, but you know, whatever. It's Goofy's Kitchen Steakhouse 55, right? It'd be nice to see something new added. Yeah, because you've kind of got signature dining and character dining if we were to put that in Disney World terms. But there's, to your point, there's Trader Sam's over there that, that's kind of in this courtyard area at Disneyland Tower. There's not a lot else that's there. Like a great quick service would really be awesome. Or just a standard table service that wasn't a buffet, character dining that you pay through the nose for. And then you got to pay for pictures on top of it, which was a shock to us. (laughs) I had a signature annual pass when I was there that included photos. I still had to pay additional for photos. Like, are you kidding me? Like, Oh, they always take that off for us. We just have to show them our annual pass and they go back and make it, uh, take it off. Yeah. Well, we had to buy them. So I don't know. <laughs> well, a- actually at the time I had the premier pass that was good for both coasts. Oh, wow. <laughs> you should have been treated like royalty at that I point. Know, right? <laughs> should have. One would think. Okay. Yeah. I do think there's some opportunity there for some, some food options. Cause the other thing of it is, is You still got to go through security to get into downtown Disney. So if you're hungry, yes, I know Earl a sandwich is right there at the gates from Disneyland Hotel coming back in. But do you really want to have to go through security and the bag checks and all of that kind of fun stuff to just go pick up a sandwich? My hope is that they're going to maybe address this as they get more feedback as they start to build this tower. Maybe they'll add something like a Topolino's, Brian, you know, to the top or or at least some kind of, you know, quality quick service because Trader Sam's, that place is a zoo just on a regular day. And if you add this many people in the rooms, it's just going to be impossible to get in there at times. Yeah, you're going to have to go to like a Rise of the Resistance lottery to be able to come in and get a (laughs) virtual queue at 7 a.m. if you want to eat. Which then just goes to, you know, being on vacation and relaxing when you get back to the resort. That's the last thing you want to do is have to compete to get food. So once again, initially we were excited, but we're starting to waver back towards the Grand Cal, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we decided ultimately to keep the Grand Cal. It doesn't mean that we will stay that way. Okay, because we could go over there and see it or see some promo videos and completely change our mind. But I'm also not opposed to buying more points there as well. Shannon, to your point about this thing selling out early, I've been saying ever since they announced this place, if you're in that situation where you're resale only and you need a contract to just get your blue card, hold off till the tower goes on sale. Yeah, but see, I wouldn't buy 125 points. And, you know, my co-host for DVC Newscast, Pete, he said, you know, he was interested in buying it at 100 points. But now that it's gone up to 125, that's a bit steep to get the blue card he does not have a blue card. I already have it. So I don't need to buy that. But I, I think it's a lot. I, I think a lot of people maybe not want to, they don't want to buy 125 points in California. And especially for us, the, I mean, we're looking at it. We're looking at it. We definitely want to incorporate going out to Disneyland maybe every other year. So maybe doing a 50 or 75 point contract, but nothing more than that. 
Well, the thing of it is, though, I mean, if you look at the point charts out there, let's be honest, Grand Cal, 30 and 37 points a night for a studio. The Grand Cal point charts are jaw dropping. Well, we went into peak season. I know it was 95. When we stayed, it was 95 points. It was, it was, but it was in January. It was a slow season. Well, and I wonder if the calculation changes East Coast to West Coast, because like for us, we're going down almost every long weekend this past year, we had planned to go down to Disneyland, right? So, you know, we're going down for potentially four times a year, probably even maybe five times a year. And so like, I I think if we bought in, we'd be looking at getting well over the 125 points. For me, it, it, there is a question around how much are the points going to cost versus what it costs to actually stay at the Disneyland hotel today. Because right now we just, you know, if we're out of points at Grand Cal, we just get a room at the Disneyland Hotel and it's not, it's not cheap because it's Disney, but it's not, it's not anywhere near as expensive as trying to pay for a room at the Grand California. And so, you know, I kind of wonder how are they going to sell these points in terms of value as against kind of what it costs to stay at the Disneyland Hotel today. So that's going to be an interesting thing. And, and I think that's going to be a, a really deal maker or breaker for a lot of people as to what the point charts actually look like, which we won't know until this thing pretty much goes on sale. And I think that's the key is because Riviera, I think, shocked a lot of people. I know it shocked me as far as how expensive it is point-wise to stay there. So I think they're only increasing the points per night. Now, I, I just think it's they're not going to charge more than Grand Cal, but they could they could surprise us. You know, they could totally surprise us and, and, and make it more to, to stay there point-wise. And that would affect if we, and that would affect if we bought or not. Yeah, that's a great point. So what do you guys think is your, let's just say uh, a little uh, friendly bet among podcasters here. What do you guys think cost per point will be direct from Disney without incentives when this thing actually goes on sale? I'll go 205. I'm going to say they know they have a ton of demand. I think it could be as high as 215. Well, I'm going even higher because I think it's going to be about 225. Yeah, I think I'm going to do the uh, the old uh, prices right trick here and go at 226 there, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's going to be up there. I think we're going to see some significant increases. It's probably three years away from being built and going on sale. Do you think it looks like a deluxe resort, Chad? That's my question. Right. Because it's interesting if they're putting a deluxe tower right next to Disneyland Hotel is not a deluxe hotel for for Disney. Some people may quibble with me on that, but I I view it as more of a somewhere in between a moderate and a deluxe. A moderate plus. Yeah. And and so I'm curious if we because DVC's hallmark rate is these are deluxe accommodations, right, by Disney standards. So I just wonder if that affects price, how they price it. Maybe not. It could, but a lot of that's going to come down to the fit and finish inside the room because they really can't do much to the resort itself because there's just not a lot of room there for them to work with. So to me, the deluxe part is going to be within fit and finish. And I would say it's going to be slightly nicer than Bay Lake Tower. That's that's my guess on fit and finish, which will be really, really nice. Yeah. And it's interesting to think through like the deluxe today, right? Like Grand Cal's deluxe, Disneyland Hotel's moderate plus. They've got Paradise Pier, which is their quote unquote value, although I think it's maybe value plus a little bit. But the the way they get Grand Cal to Deluxe is not just sort of the fit and finish, but it's the proximity of the park. There's all of these amenities at, at Grand Cal that you just won't get at the you won't get at the tower. And so I'm wondering if they can credibly sell it as deluxe based on solely fit and finish when you got Grand Cal across the street. So it'll just be it'll really be interesting to see what they value the cash rooms, cash days at. Because Grand Cal is crazy. I mean I've like seven hundred, eight hundred dollars a night. <laughs> 
That brings up a really good point about resort amenities, because I know Grand Cal does have a spa, and I don't know if there is one over at Disneyland Tower, or if people that want spa services at Disneyland Tower just simply do the 10-minute walk from Disneyland Tower through downtown Disney and into Grand California. Yeah, there's no spa. Well, there's no spa at the hotel today. I don't know. I don't think there was anything in the planning about putting a spa into the new tower, but there's yeah, there's no there's no spa at Disneyland Hotel today. So it's like other than the spa, the pools at Grand Californian really don't do an awful lot for me. And I'm a pool guy. And I know, I, I think to your point, Steve, when we went, it was the first week of April. So it was spring break for us in Detroit. And we're looking to get pools. We're looking to get sunshine. We're looking to get warm. I swear to God, they didn't have the pool heaters on if they even have pool heaters there. I, I don't think that they do. <laughs> I don't think they do. Every time we've been there, they just, I think it's, uh, yeah, they, I don't think they heat the water at all. Yeah, which is shocking, okay? When you're used to Walt Disney World where every pool is heated. And some of the splash pads. Yeah, and some of the splash pads as well. You do get that wow factor walking into the Grand Cal, though, that I don't see how they can, like, if they if they do this like they did Riviera, there's not a lot of wow factor to Riviera's lobby. It's perfectly nice and acceptable, but you don't get that huge wow factor. No, absolutely not. No, and the plans don't call for a big, more than two level high atrium. It really looks like it's just an open atrium too, doesn't it, Chad, for the most part? Yeah, it it looks like it's a big center hallway there where they've blocked off like two, maybe three floors at most, kind of looking at the the photo and the concept art that, that we have. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, as I think about the the hotel attached to the DVC rooms over at Grand Cal, it's a, it feels like a different space than what you'll experience with the hotel amenities attached to the new tower they're building at Disneyland Hotel. I mean, Disneyland Hotel, I love staying there. It's perfectly nice. It, it does feel a little dated, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. So that's great because we don't mind the nostalgia and the history behind the hotel. But when you wander from the DVC kind of portion of Grand Cal into the main lobby of Grand Cal, it's a different thing, I think. I mean, even Steakhouse 55, it's great food. It's, you know, we, we enjoyed our meal there, but I choose Napa Rose over Steakhouse 55 just about any day. The food is better. The the atmosphere is better. They've got a chef's table, you know, that sort of stuff. So I just to say Grand Cal feels deluxe. It just feels deluxe in a way that I don't think they can ever make Disneyland Hotel feel that that way, even if they make the tower try to feel that way. Yeah, you walk into that lobby and it's just, it's wow. Yeah, whereas the Disneyland Hotel doesn't quite have the wow from the lobby. And then there's three lobbies because there's three different towers and only one of them is considered the main one. But I will say this, Steakhouse 55 is every bit of signature restaurant. It might not hang with Napa Rose, but I'm not going to deny its signature level because that was a phenomenal experience. Oh, yeah, it was a wonderful meal. But given the choice, <laughs> you know, we'll go back to Steakhouse 55. But given the choice, I, I we love Napa Rose. Yeah, I think the food's comparable to an extent between the two, but the atmosphere is much better in Napa Rose. Yeah, so we've already picked on food a little bit here. What else would you guys change about the resort? I think the dining. I think that's, you need to add dining. And I, I a pool, I don't think they'll add a slide, but I think they need to, to make it family friendly. But that's just because I have a family, <laughs> I have a son that loves slides. So I think that's something I, I don't, I feel like it's going to be a quiet tight pool. But that's what I would like to see. It won't affect whether we decide to buy in or not. So what will affect whether we buy in or not is the price per point and then the point chart is what will make our ultimate decision. Do we know if they're going to have a community hall, Chad? Have we heard anything about that? Yeah, the floor plans call for about an 1,176 square feet community hall, which 
if you think of it, that's not even the size of a two bedroom villa at Walt Disney World. The, I, you know, we were just at Boardwalk and the Boardwalk Community Hall was not, it didn't feel that big. So, and it was plenty of space. So I, I'm not, I wouldn't be concerned with it being smaller. It could be. I mean, that's an awful lot of people though, because you're, you're talking about something the size of Bay Lake Tower in terms of rooms. So that's a lot of people. And hopefully they build these to sleep five. That's something when I looked at the occupancy at that, it did not look like the studio slept five. From the research that I found and came across, it looked like they were sleeping four, which to have that many rooms that only sleeps four, because we looked at it and went, okay, we're going to have to either gun for those one bedrooms and hope that they sleep five or end up getting a pod and a studio or two studios in order to accommodate five people in our family. And so that five factor that they finally got right over at Riviera, it looks like they could be shooting themselves in the foot again here. That's one thing that I would change. Yeah, just looking at the diagram chat, it only looks like four as far as what they've got projected right now for the studios. Which is like insane. Yeah, definitely. Especially, I mean, I, I definitely feel I've, I'm working with a guy this week that he's got a family of five and just like everything that you do, you, that, you have that extra kid. It, nothing is easy from any type of travel from hotels, you know, outside of Disney to, to you know, camping to everything. So. I would I would go back with the community hall, though, uh, you know, like what Shannon said, you know, having a smaller one, that's probably enough. I think the thing that you kind of miss about Disneyland, which we've kind of already alluded to it and talked about it over and over again, is the fact that it's really, you know, a three day stay max. It's not like going to Walt Disney World where you're there for seven days. And so you have those maybe down days where you're hanging around the resort and you're looking for some other things to do besides maybe the pool to kind of, you know, fill your time. Whereas I think that most people that tend to come to Disneyland, you know, spend those three days, you know, exploring the parks, maybe doing some, a couple of dining down at downtown Disney, because, you know, the thought of staying there for, for longer than that and exploring around California or around the LA area, it becomes kind of prohibitive as far as driving. So, uh, for our family and just from friends that we have, we really look at it as kind of a three day stay or a long weekend, like you said, Brian. So I'm not sure a community hall becomes quite as important as it does in Disney World. And I will say we usually use the community hall when we can't use the pool. And we were just at Boardwalk for eight nights and we did use the community hall twice because it was just too cold. We're from South Florida. So it was like 60 degrees. I know for for Chad, whose family probably would have been at the pool all day. So we went to the community hall and it wasn't very busy. You know, we, we did arts and crafts. My son played the PlayStation and it was never very busy and it wasn't that big of a, of a community hall either. So I think, yeah, I, I think it's a good alternative to have it, but I, I don't think a, a big community hall is necessary. And I think maybe 25 years ago when DVC first started, maybe it was, but probably not as much anymore. I'm really hoping they get some theming in. That would be one thing. It's not necessarily changing, but I'm hoping they do. I think the times we stayed at Bay Lake Tower, we love it, but it doesn't doesn't really feel Disney to us. Riviera kind of, you know, people love it or hate it, but I feel like there's, you know, there's actually a lot of theming kind of tastefully baked into that resort. And I feel like Disneyland itself or the Disneyland Hotel is sort of known for that theming opportunity. I mean, our son loves the light up headboard that plays, you know, in the music box and that kind of stuff in the room. And then, you know, you go across the street to Grand Cal and it's all about theming. And so I, I just hope they find a way to sort of infuse that theming. I think maybe in the Disneyland context, they're, they're, they should go a little further than what they did in the Riviera. And I think what you have with Disneyland Resort and with Grand Cal too 
is the proximity to downtown Disney. Again, we spent eight nights at Disney World and we never went to Disney Springs. We had planned to, but we just never made it. And but with with California, it's it's walking distance. It's right there. So there's just that proximity where those like the community hall type things maybe aren't as necessary. Well, like it or not, you're going through downtown Disney at Disneyland. Okay. Absolutely. It's just yeah. it's unavoidable, right? It's well, you could take the monorail. It's that or cross Harbor Boulevard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you could go around the outside of the resort. Okay, but who's going to do that? So if you're staying at any of the Disneyland hotels, you're going to cut through downtown Disney. For those listening that haven't been there, it's a really unique bubble situation because the security check to get into the parks, the envelope has been expanded to include all of downtown Disney. So your resorts sit on the edge of downtown Disney. So you go through security there, you get into downtown Disney, and then you have no security check as you walk down to the parks. So it's kind of like if you're staying at a Disney hotel, you kind of got to go through downtown Disney to get to either of the two parks. I'm kind of a fan of that, too. Once I got used to it, it was a little bit of a a shock to go, wait a minute, I got to go through security to get into this dining. Then I realized, you know, it's not a bad idea having a secure location to take your family to dinner. Absolutely. We also just love it. There's just so much in the evening when you're coming back, there's just so much kinetic energy in downtown Disney because a lot of people just come and co- go to downtown Disney and never set foot in a park. And and that and so that's just fun to walk back through with, you know, the street performances and all the restaurants and the shops and stuff. It's just kind of fun to walk through. And in the morning, there's two Starbucks on either end so we can mobile order and just walk on by and grab our coffee. <laughs> just make sure you, you know, which one you mobile ordered to. We've made that mistake once. <laughs> oh, so have we. <laughs> <laughs> You know, if there was no cost, you know, if there was no cost in uh, adding amenities, I'd love to see them change the monorail so it came through the Disneyland Hotel somehow and move that that station over a little bit closer to it. But that kind of be a blast from the past, right? I mean, yeah. that's what they used to do. They had to stop at a hotel. It did. It used to stop there. And the funny thing is it goes through Grand Cal and it doesn't stop at Grand Cal, but uh, that's all the point. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> that was the most ironic thing in the world to me. They kind of like built a hole in the hotel for this thing to go through, but there's no stop there. Definitely. Yeah, that would have been that would have been really cool to stay at Grand Cal because then you could have just walked into DCA or from the inside of your hotel, walked to the monorail station and just rode the monorail on back around to the backside of the castle where you get off at, at, at Disneyland. Missed opportunity. Well, we'll just have to shake some of the money out of uh, Bob Chapek's pockets there. Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> Getting him to spend a dime in the parks, really. <laughs> That's a whole other topic, right? But I, I do love the kinetic energy, like you were talking about, Brian. A lot of times they have live bands out there. They've had magicians and all different kinds of things going on. So we we always find, going back to the Disneyland Hotel when we stayed there in the evenings, we always end up stopping and, and watching something along the way. It is kind of a fun way to end the evening. Yeah, that's very true. Let's move on to pros and cons of Disneyland Tower. What do you guys see as some of the main pros of staying there and some of the main cons? I think the pro for me is it's just an opportunity to buy on the West Coast and get in and buy direct. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I miss the opportunity for Grand Californian. So that's the pro for us. And get incentives. Yes. And get incentives and just have that guarantee that we can get in, you know, every year or two when we decide to go. I mean, the big pro for us would be the full contract, right? I mean, buying into Grand Cal resale. Your contract isn't as long as the one you'll get at the new tower. And it's the reason we bought into Riviera. We were we were contemplating an Epcot area resort. We looked at resale on Beach Club. 
And I was just like, I, I, I don't want to get into a short contract. I'd rather have the full length of the contract. And if I hand that off to my son, great. I think you, I think you guys hit on the uh, two biggest pros. So I'll be the negative one to go to the cons. Uh, it, there really isn't too many cons from, from, you know, from an access point. Yeah, it's a little bit longer of a walk than the Grand Cal, but it's still pretty easy to get to. And then, you know, the other one, I, th- I think they're going to address it. But right now, maybe it seems like some of the amenities might be a little lacking, especially in the food or, or the food arena. But um, I think they're going to address it before or maybe make some changes before it's actually built. Yeah, I feel like we should have done a Google Maps in a walking path from where we think that tower would be to measure it and compare it to the walk from Bay Lake Tower or even the Grand Floridian. I would probably compare it. I'm thinking it's going to be about Bay Lake from Disneyland. That's exactly what I thought. Right. But I think Grand Flow is still going to be a longer walk to Magic Kingdom than Disneyland Tower is to Disneyland. Absolutely. That's a good mile. Yeah. So to me, you've still got walking distance to both. But it's a little bit longer of a walk, but it's still going to beat anything that we have or at least hang with what we have in Walt Disney World. Okay. Maybe Beach Club to Epcot. You might have something there that's a little bit better. But other than that, it's still not going to be bad for walking. Okay. The other major thing that I see happening here is it's going to be very attractive to own this place on a dues level. So let's talk about that because we know Bay Lake Tower has some extremely cheap dues because towers are more efficient to maintain, to heat, to cool than a bunch of smaller individual buildings or odd shaped buildings. So I think it's going to be pretty energy efficient the way it's built. And the other thing is, is when you look at the dues at Grand Californian, they don't pay anything for transportation there. As a Grand Cal owner, we don't pay for Magical Express, we don't pay for boats, we don't pay for buses, we don't pay for any of that stuff, which helps us out on the dues. And so I like owning places that have cost-effective dues. And I think from everything that I see in my little crystal ball here, I think Disneyland Tower is going to have some really attractive dues. And if you don't want to use it there, you've still got the seven-month window to go anyplace else you want to with these points. And I don't know about you guys, but I do more seven-month booking, it seems like, than I do 11-month booking. And and I have six home resorts at the time of recording. So, Well, and I have I have yet to stay at our home resort and we've owned for four years. So Yeah. So to me, I don't think the that's going to be that big a deal. I think it's just going to be the place to own because let's just face it, okay? When it comes into the timeshares here in Orlando, they can drain another swamp and pop up another timeshare. At Disneyland Tower, Disneyland area, you're landlocked. It takes an act of Congress to be able to get permission to build something there. And the relationship with the city is not all that great. So we're really lucky that this one got approved. I don't know that they would get another one approved. And even if they were to like convert Paradise Pier, I don't know that the city would allow them to do that. So I think this is going to be a rare opportunity to come in and buy. And so we're really going to think twice about it is to come back in and say, hey, is this something that we really think our kids are going to want for a legacy? To your point, Brian, about getting the full 50 years onto this. So to me, the the pros on this resort are, I think it's going to hold its value even with the restrictions because people are always going to want to stay there, especially if you were to buy your 125 blue card and divide it up into a 50 point and a 75 point so that you've got a great little exit strategy. I, I think there's a lot of pros as to owning this. And I think people should really think hard about buying it when they can get it direct, get a blue card and get the incentives. The other thing that you're going to be able to get here that you cannot get at Grand Cal is I wouldn't be shocked if they don't do fixed week contracts here. 
which would be huge. Yeah. I, I mean, they've been doing that. They did it at Riviera. They've done it at Copper Creek. So I would expect them to do it there. Especially around the holiday times, you know, that can be really tough to get into the Disneyland Resort. So if you you and your family wanted to go down there, whether it's Halloween or, or Christmas, especially Christmas, I can see them definitely offering a couple during those weeks. And now that they started offering incentives on the fixed week contracts, there's really no downside to buying one, okay? Other than the fact that you can't divide this thing up into smaller contracts. You're going to have one big contract with all of your points and 10% more, okay? But if you cancel it, you still get 100% of your points back and you can still rebook everything. So to me, I'm going to be seriously looking at some fixed weeks if I move forward at this resort. I mean, I've already emailed our guide and said, whatever list you're maintaining of people that you're going to contact when this thing goes on sale, just, you know, (laughs) put me on it preferably at the top. So I I do wonder though, Chad, one question I had for you is, do you think there's any possibility they put this thing on sale without incentives, given the level of excitement there seems to be around it? I guess anything is possible. It would not be historically according to precedent. Okay. And, And maybe the incentives that come out won't be the best ones right out of the gate. I still think there'll be some there. Because when you look at the other two resorts that we have in recent history, Copper Creek got a little bit better as time went on, especially right before Christmas. And Riviera got a lot better, but you've got that big COVID asterisk on there as well. So I guess the the final question here is, are you guys planning to buy in or, or what's your guys' feel on this thing? What would it take to get you guys to buy into this resort? Well, I'll start. And I think for us, it's the cost per point as well as the point charts. And I think the point charts will probably be more important if it's really expensive to stay there. And I don't expect it to be more than Grand Cal, but let's say it is, then we would probably think twice. But if it's even around the same as Grand Cal, then I think we would we would uh, at least buy a small contract. I was going to say, Brian, I feel like there's a shut up and take my money coming out of you. Oh, yeah. Like I said, I've already contacted our guide. Like as soon as this goes on sale, we'll be buying points. It's just a question of how much my wife will let me buy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So that it's it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of how much. And it's all going to be on how much your dear wife will let you get away with. Okay. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And she doesn't listen to podcasts. So this is a great opportunity for me to say that. Okay, then. Well, Steve, what are you thinking? I think we're kind of in the same boat as Shannon. We will we will definitely buy one of the two over the next couple of years, but it will be interesting to see what that point value is. It, I think the price per point is going to be up there. So, But what is that cost per, uh, per room per night and how that's going to factor in as far as whether we really pull the trigger with the Disneyland Hotel or not? Yeah, I think another unknown factor here, and I wish that California would step up to the plate the way Walt Disney World has, is I really wish they would let DVC members get some kind of SoCal resident pass or California resident pass so that we could afford to come in here and buy some points and come two, three times a year with an annual pass that is more than just $20 off an insane price tag that we have to pay as out-of-state people to get an annual pass at Disneyland. So to me, that one would really help sales a lot. We're still going to think about it very, very heavily. And I think it's going to boil down to how good of time we have in 2021 when we go to Disneyland as a family. And we'll probably be back in 2023 about the time that this thing is is ready to go on sale because that, that's the planned completion date. So that's really going to come into it for our family there is do we see ourselves wanting to come here more often? 
I can tell you the big drawback from Detroit is I can get airfare for a hundred bucks round trip if I really work it on spirit. And if I'm not working a spirit deal, I can still get $200 a person round trip to Orlando all day long, pretty much any time of the year. I just got to time the sales. California, I'm lucky to get three to 500 round trip. When you start multiplying that by a family of five, that gets expensive. So for us, that's going to be a factor as well is to really, can they make this thing somewhat reasonably affordable for us to be able to commute there for weekends or extended stays like we can to Orlando? If it becomes affordable, we'll probably buy some points there and sell something else off in, in order to, to pick this up. Because if we don't use them there, we'll use them someplace else in the network. I, I'm, I'm not worried about that at all because I, I do really well at the seven month window because there's always something I'll, I'll go to and be able to book and be happy with. But being able to book that place when I think it's going to be really hard, yeah, that's that's extremely attractive to our family. Well, and the rental value may be pretty high on those points too. That's another <laughs> thing to think about. Yeah, the rental value could be really high on those as well. It could do really well there if you couldn't use them. It would all depend on what the hotel rooms are and what the point charts are and the, how that all works out as well. So that being said, let's go ahead and wrap up the show. Thank you guys for joining us. Let's just go around the horn and have everybody come back in and name off their shows and where people can follow up with you if they would like to continue the conversations. Shannon, since you're part of the My DVC Points home team, I'll have you lead off. So you can find me on the podcast DVC Newscast along with my co-hosts Keith and Jake, as well as my own personal YouTube channel, which is just my name, Shannon Ford. And you have a lot of phenomenal DVC content on that YouTube channel. I do. I just, I just completed a series called Best and Worst Rooms, and it helped to give you ideas of which is the best area and room selection at all the DVC resorts. So I have all the DVC resorts in Walt Disney World. Yeah. And while you're on her channel, go check out her skydiving video that's had, <laughs> it's, it's viral, right? And it's a couple it's million got like views. Almost, it's at almost 2 million. Yeah. 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 So you're definitely going to want to go check that out as well. And just so you know, I'm terrified of heights and I did the stratosphere sky jump and it's a lot of six minutes of me crying. But it's a phenomenal, fun video. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> fun. <laughs> Spoiler alert there. Can I tell them the backstory? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you had a bet going with your husband as well, right? So I, I was in Mrs. United States in 2011. The bet was is that if I won, I had to do the stratosphere sky jump, fully knowing that I'm terrified of heights. And I and I won. But we never actually made it out there. We actually went out there, but they we had a reservation. It got canceled because of the wind. So the following year I went back to give up my title and we we did make it there. So my husband's video is forty five seconds minus six minutes. And they were taking bets on whether or not I would actually make it off. I did make it off, but I didn't jump. So you can watch the video and figure out how I got off. <laughs> okay. I think that's, that's going to be a little hard to beat, guys. But Steve, <laughs> why don't you give us a, a heads up on where we can follow up with you and your phenomenal podcast as well. Well, I just got to say my hats off to you, Shannon, for doing that. I could not imagine jumping off the stratosphere. I have parasailed at Castaway Key, and I think, you know, just, you know, being warm and, and floating up above the ship is kind of my speed. So my hats off to you for doing that. 
Our podcast is the DCL Podcast. It's myself, Christy, and Chris. We have a lot of fun talking about Disney Cruise Line, Adventures by Disney, Run Disney stuff. And you can find us on Facebook, over on Instagram, and I'm always on Twitter. Not all the time, but generally on Twitter at DCL Podcast as well. So come on over if you want to talk some Disney Cruise Line or just talk about uh, some more DVC stuff too. If anybody has any questions about Alani, we've stayed at Alani a lot. So always uh, welcome to uh, answer any questions about Alani if anybody has any questions about that or just the island of Oahu where, where my parents live. And we've done a show together on Alani. So that was a lot of fun as well. So if you go over to the Mighty VC Points wiki and go to Alani, you'll be able to find that episode with Steve as well. Brian, what about you? Sure. You can find us. We're the DCL Duo podcast on all the major podcasting platforms and can connect with us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at DCL Duo. We have a, we have a growing group of folks in our DCL Duo podcast and vlog group over on Facebook. So that's also a great way to connect with us. But yeah, we're a DCL focused podcast. Although given the cruising uh, uh, industry shut down for the time being, we've been talking Disneyland quite a bit and having some authors and uh, other content creators on the show so that um, we can provide some fun content to folks during this period of time. So yeah, come check it out. Yeah. Now, how long were you podcasting before the shutdown happened? We took a trip to Disneyland, just my wife and I in March, came home, uh, my employer announced that we were all working from home. Uh, I think cruises shut down within maybe 10 or 15 days after that. So we, we had not set foot on a ship in uh, at least several months and all of our cruises got canceled this year. So we've been in, around since March. And uh, so we are desperately looking forward to getting cruising back so that we can get some new memories and stories from guests for who are cruising as opposed to talking about the cruises that they took a year ago. <laughs> yeah. And if you guys haven't tuned into any of these three shows, they are all incredible, phenomenal. Brian especially came right out of the gate as a new person and you've came up to speed so fast, Brian. Normally I, I tell everybody who starts podcasting, your first 20, 30, 40 episodes are going to be meh like that. Dude, I think you shook that meh thing in like an episode or two. It, it's just a really, really, really great show. And I, I highly, highly recommend Brian's show, Steve's show, and of course, Shannon and the newscast team have, have been doing a phenomenal job over there. If you want just the headlines of DVC News and their take on it. And my name is Chad and I'm the host of the My DVC Points podcast. And I interview DVC community members and we get their story and their perspective on how they make the most out of their membership. Everything from individual membership stories, kind of like a, a trip report that goes the length of your membership to collaboration episodes such as this, where we come back in and we take a topic and we just do a deeper dive into it and tear it apart and, and give you at least five or six different opinions on it throughout the show. So that being said and done, thanks everybody for tuning in and we'll see you real soon. Well, I hope you really enjoyed that episode with Chad and the collaboration that we did there about DVC and the new Disneyland DVC tower that is hopefully going to get built here in the near future. As you can tell, we're pretty excited about it and can't wait for it to come online. Definitely has its pros and cons, but if you're ever interested in buying into DVC, I highly, highly recommend checking out Chad's show. It's a great place to learn about DVC. It's where I went to learn about DVC before we bought in. So great show, a uh, bunch of great hosts, love all of them and love all their podcasts. So check them out. With that, we do have a new 
iTunes review to read. We have several of them, actually, because of the giveaway that we announced uh, at the beginning of the show here and have been promoting on social media. So lots of reviews to read in the coming weeks. But this one tonight comes from Bobby from Texas, who writes, Great show. I have been listening since podcast one and enjoying every episode. Congratulations on your one-year anniversary. It's been a fun run. It certainly has, Bobby. And we've got Bobby coming on an upcoming episode to talk about sailing out of Galveston. Can't wait for you to hear that. So thanks, Bobby, for the uh, the great feedback. And we always appreciate our listeners. So thank you. Thank you so much for the review. With that, I do want to say thanks out there to each and every one of you for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. so You can keep getting great content from the DCL duo each week. Please also leave us those five-star reviews over at Apple Podcasts. They're really helpful in making our podcast more visible to people who might be looking for a show like ours. And right now through May 15th, they may win you a magic band reader. So head over, leave us those five-star reviews. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at DCL Duo. You can also head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content, or you can join our DCL Duo vlog and podcast Facebook group to join a conversation with some like-minded DCL Duo fans and cruisers like yourself. We've also started a Patreon for those of you who might like to support the show and help us defray some of our costs. So head over to Patreon, search for DCL Duo. We've got lots of tiers of support and some of them come with some really fabulous benefits, including things like DCL Duo swag and special access to us on Discord and some other places so that you can get some more interaction with the DCL Duo and get your questions answered. So head over to patreon.com slash DCL Duo. Check it out. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company, or the Walt Disney Family of Theme Parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Walt Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney Cruise or a Walt Disney Vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night.